Well, here you are again, in a meeting that is going completely off the rails. Someone passed the invite to an executive stakeholder without properly briefing them, and now they're on a tangent that is making your client-side counterpart look pretty unprepared. Your team isn't sure how to react. Other stakeholders are starting to nervously check their email. And you're trying to find a way to politely interject to steer the conversation back on topic, but to no avail. Looks like that decision isn't going to get made today after all. And it could take another three weeks to get back in people's calendars. If this is a situation you can relate to, then keep listening. We're going to be talking about how to create a solid meeting strategy so that your projects build momentum and trust with every key stakeholder interaction. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Galen Lowe with the Digital Project Manager. We are a community of digital professionals on a mission to help each other get skilled, get confident, and get connected so that we can deliver projects better. If you want to hear more about that, head over to thedigitalprojectmanager.com. Hey everyone, thanks for hanging out with us on the DPM podcast. My guest today is a self-professed project management geek with a soft spot for people management. Armed with a background in psychology and digital art, she leads her teams and her clients with deliberate clarity and efficiency. But she also loves coaching and mentoring others in the dark arts of soft skills. Presently, she is a lead technical project manager at TenUp, where she leverages Scrum Agile methodologies to deliver large-scale digital content management projects. And outside of work, she is in the process of getting her master's in psychology and also writes novels under a top-secret pen name. Today, she's going to be talking to us about meeting strategy and tips on how to navigate complex and politicized stakeholder environments. Folks, please welcome Laura Lucier. Hello, Laura. Hi, everyone. Laura, when you and I first connected, you were leading a massive multi-PM project while also starting in on your master's in psychology, and you were also prepping for a talk uh, that was like an organization-wide all-hands event. Uh, so I know you describe yourself as an overachiever, but where the heck do you find all this energy? <laughs> um, that's a very good question because I actually also don't drink coffee, so I'm not sure. <laughs> so not caffeine. Not caffeine. <laughs> um, I do actually Just from the ether. get um, at least seven hours of sleep, though. So for those of you who... There you go. Yeah, sleep actually works. That's a... <laughs> That's a power tip for our listeners, you know, us like the, the, the typical project manager working late, not sleeping much. Um, there's your secret. Sleep more. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> how about when you, how about when you're like looking for calm? What's your preferred source of like calmness? Do you meditate? Do you watch like lowbrow TV? Uh, what helps you keep your center? Um, I do meditate quite a bit. So that uh, does help me, but I am also uh, a big, uh, gamer so i tend to do a lot of downtime when gaming i am i have played final fantasy 14 for the last seven years so (laughs) (laughs) if you want to know where i am (laughs) i'm amazed that you have time for like that level of gaming like we're not talking candy crush here we're talking like quest saga no that that was a commitment and i was dragged into it so (laughs) Uh, I love that. I love that. Um, I think let's dive into it. Let's dive into it. I'm really eager to talk about this. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, what I call, what I characterize as stakeholder politics, meeting strategy, and using a bit of psychology to deepen the relationships and amplify the outcomes of your projects. I know that sounds like an advertisement, but it's really about you know, managing people and using your soft skills to make sure everyone's collaborating well. Uh, it's something that you and I, I know we could nerd out on this all day. And actually, we've done it before. Uh, this time we're recording it. Uh, so I thought maybe we can just set the scene for our listeners. Um, and maybe you could just tell us a bit about yourself and how you use your unique background as your, uh, how you use your unique background in your role as a lead technical project manager. Yeah, well, um, I don't know... Uh if our listeners have the same um, thing, but I fell into project management. I didn't actually go study for it or try to get into it. Um, I was a producer for uh, short animated films when I was back in college. That was my profession and my love. Mm -hmm. But um, I wandered into tech after that and um, started project managing uh, mainly uh, website builds, um, WordPress website builds. Mm -hmm. And... um, what I love about project management and where my skills kind of come into that is that um, even though I'm a project manager, I'm also a, a writer. 
So I, I write fiction on the side. I'm actually very interested in people and their stories in general. Like, I just like seeing people grow and kind of figure out why they tick in a way. And so that kind of combination of storytelling, um, behavioral psychology, and project management kind of led into, okay, how do I get these certain people who I can tell there's, there's something going on in the background to listen to me for five minutes? Um, how can I get them to um, believe in the cause that we're, we're trying to do or the problem we're trying to solve when a, a lot of these environments I go into meetings and I realize that people coming into them are very, very stressed which is not really the best environment for collaboration. And so that's kind of the lens I take to this is, yes, I'm managing a project, but I'm also interested in the people that are there and making sure that those people have what they need to actually give me what I need back in a ideally non-stressful way or less stressful way. Um, tech will always be stressed. My lead is always stressed, for example, <laughs> but... Um, I try to make sure they um, at least have what they need to know I have their back. I really like that. And like, it's something that often gets overlooked or else we just don't talk about it enough. You know, <laughs> we talk about, you know, all these like artifacts that you need for your project, your statement of work and your status report and your racy chart and all the sort of technical project management as in the sort of, you know, the craft of project management. Mm -hmm. But so much of what we do is actually managing people. We've got our teams, we've got our stakeholders, our sponsors, our clients, um, ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I love that notion of just having that sort of environment to sort of not be as stressed as we probably are coming in so that we can collaborate. I really like that. Uh, and I think it's like a really good tie in um, just because, you know, I think there's a lot of technical training available for yeah. project managers. You can sort of learn the foundations and the fundamentals of project management as a craft. Um, but, you know, soft skills is a little bit different. Uh, and something you've been talking to me about is that you really enjoy mentoring your team members and helping them navigate their work environment. Um, talk to me about why you think it's so important to have mentors that help you hone your soft skills. I think, and it, it's, what I don't like is that it is the mentorship route and it's not normally formal training. It's not widely uh, available or encouraged, but like, I think it's important to have mentors that are willing to teach you soft skills because I think in our career environment, especially tech, it's assumed if you're working here and you're successful, you already know it. Or um, if you see someone that is really easy to work with and whatnot, it's, it's kind of written off as like in like ingrained talent like oh that person just has it and you don't really realize some of it might be natural skill a lot of it is just practice and um, a lot of it is behind the scenes work that everyone kind of thinks it's magic and so it's it's really important that there are mentors there that are willing to take on soft skills because I think our environment tends to be like you should know this if you're a professional and that's not entirely true like I could I could really go off on how many people assume you know how to write an email, and that's not true. <laughs> I love that example. <laughs> that's Until you find true. an example of a horrible email that went out to a bunch of people, you're like, no, that that is not an inane, that is not an in ingrained skill. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> I think like you, you hit the nail on the head. I'm like, you know, it's it's probably difficult um, to like craft a course, like a classroom course on soft skills and teach it to like 30 people at once. But that notion of sort of having a coach and practicing and sort of, you know, getting advice before, getting some coaching after mm -hmm. uh, for each instance of this is is kind of how you could sort of build up the craft without just learning the hard way by sending a bunch of horrible emails. And then finally somebody taps you on the shoulder and goes, actually, you know what? Maybe you should do this. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Or like, maybe you shouldn't copy everyone. Just a thought. <laughs> What's the company-wide alias? Let's use that. Yeah. <laughs> At five in the morning and see how that goes. Yeah. No, I love that. I really like the, the that you've sort of taken up the mantle to like coach on that because I think it's really important. And I agree with you. I think it's something that people assume, but mm -hmm. it's absolutely something that we're all learning and getting better at all the time and can always improve at. Yeah. Um, 
So in that case, let's get our listeners oriented. So I characterized it earlier as politics. Um, you know, we talk about stakeholder politics, we talk about project politics. And I think a lot of people, when they hear that word, they're immediately going to come up with this picture of like backstabbing, cloak and dagger, steel cage match, like real adversarial, like rivalries within a project. Is, is that, is that what we mean? Um, no, it, it, it's very far from it. Um, and we've talked about this before. I, I don't like uh, the word politics to kind of describe what we're doing here. Um, it's unfortunately the word that I think people orient to the most to kind of understand what um, I'm talking about. But really, it's it's talking about team dynamics. It's talking about understanding motivation of other people. And going off on that a little bit, a lot of the assumption, like you said, cloak and dagger, is like understanding the motivation of someone else may me- like mean face value to someone. Like, oh, you're you're trying to figure out the carrot for them and that the carrot is a bad thing that I have to bribe them to do this or I need to do this one thing so that my boss can understand what I'm talking about. And it's not necessarily that like people can take it that far, but it's more like instead of a carrot, it's like understanding the context of maybe you have a developer during COVID who is underneath a lot of stress and may not be communicating that properly to you might be a bit sniffy, like snippy at you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in that context, you understand and might be able to support versus maybe just face value of like, oh, I need to somehow reduce this person's schedule or some other drastic thing to in order to accommodate. It's it's more of the nuance of the environment you're working in and the people Mm -hmm. you're working in and being able to support that or in some cases if someone's kind of barreling into your team how to how to block that uh, which I've, I've i've done i've played shield quite a few times <laughs> tiny tiny 90 pound me has played no, shield sense. quite a few times <laughs> <laughs> uh, and is that like is that something you kind of see coming you're like okay i see that coming from uh you know a few miles away because i'm kind of tuned to it that somebody's going to come barreling in, I'm going to go and be the shield. Or is it something that just kind of, you know, you see it happening in real time and you're like, okay, I've got to, I've got to tackle this. Um, in most situations, you, I would hope to have been prepared, um, knowing, especially if it's a meeting or whatnot, or a, a personality type, um, that I'm, as a project manager who's also trying to get the most out of her team, I would be predicting something like that, mm-hmm. especially if it's high risk enough. So this is the project manager part of me, the risk of someone barreling through my project. How high is it? Do I need to put effort into it? Um, so ideally, I would be prepared in some situations, especially when I used to actually manage personnel. That's not always the case because mm-hmm. <laughs> personnel can be a bit interesting. Um, but I, I feel like my philosophy about project managers is really to be able to keep the project moving and really that spirit of unblocking, um, fostering a good environment for your teams and your clients to work in. And so I'm always kind of looking out for that kind of stuff, especially again, if it's considered high risk of of derailing a team, if they even heard about certain things happening. So I've I've also not said some things because I know it will be distracting. Oh, I really like that. And actually, that kind of answers my next question, which is, you know, why is it the responsibility of a project manager to manage or influence these sort of people dynamics, these nuances? You know, why is it important to navigate it? But I think you answered it, which is that it's a risk. It can derail a project. It's something that sort of needs to be mitigated. Um, and to your earlier point, you know, it's these soft skills that are the things that can address it. And no, it might not be in your risk register. <laughs> like, stakeholder <laughs> may come barreling in. <laughs> Highly likely. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, it might be I'm something tempted. that you're paying attention to, right? <laughs> like your internal risk register. I think we might all have that, actually. It's like, I can't write this down on paper, yeah, I but mean, the real risk is this. Yeah, I think project managers who are in tune to people um, tend to, I think, internalize this. And that's where it comes out as instinct. Um, and people are like, marvel as like, oh, how did you know that was going to happen? Mm-hmm. But I you know, with any skill, it's having and seen it a lot of times as well. So I'm like, for me, who learned it on the fly as well, it was seeing train wrecks slowly come or quickly come towards me and being like, yep, that was painful. I'm never doing that again. (laughs) 
or like seeing certain behavioral patterns in psychology of like, okay, that person specifically is pushing out some kind of negative energy that I'm mm -hmm. like, this is not going to play well with certain people on my team. Mm -hmm. So how do I deal with this? Do I just talk to this person one-on-one? -on -one? Do I actually call a group meeting just because culturally we always do group meetings, even though right. it's not going to be helpful? Like sometimes the choices <laughs> don't have the group meeting. <laughs> I like that. I like that sort of context for a conversation, especially when you know there's probably going to be some friction or it's going to lead to sort of this unproductive conversation. And it might mean, and like, you know, as dramatic as, hey, let's cancel the group meeting that was in everybody's calendars for weeks so that mm -hmm. I can have this one-to-one -one meeting with this person just trying to, you know, dig in and sort of remove some of the friction that I see coming. Um, and I also mm -hmm. really like that notion of it's experience, right? Like, it's happened before and, you know, we got run over by the plow before um, and now we now we can see it coming. But then coming back to your notion of coaching, I think that's a really important one where you can sort of be with somebody mentoring them and they're telling you about the situation and you're like, oh, I've seen this before. Here's what I did when it happened to me. And maybe you can not get run over <laughs> and not have to learn the hard yeah. way every time, which I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> not the hard way. Yeah. Still, still enough for it to stick, but not the catastrophic hard way, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that framing for sure. Uh, all right. Let's dig into the juicy stuff. So talk to me, talk to me about meeting strategy or just like having a strategy for any key interaction during a project. And I think coming back to this like idea of, you know, getting, getting run over, uh, especially in terms of meetings, I think everyone listening has had at least one or two big important meetings go sideways on them. Uh, and I've personally had everything from like really awkward foot and mouth moments to like shouting matches between partners. Like, I, like things have gone fully sideways. Um, there are certainly less extreme examples uh, where just like obstacles just suddenly appear and it impedes your ability to sort of like get done what you needed to get done or get what you came for. You know, it's just sort of those like those meetings that just kind of, you know, sucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you, you touched on it earlier in terms of like being able to sort of prepare. But I think overall, in terms of like project management, philosophically, like, why does it matter that a stakeholder meeting or some other big key project interaction, like a, an important email to an influential person, like, why does that matter that it goes well? Apart from, like, simply not wanting it to be painful for yourself, uh, mm -hmm. what is your motivation for having a strategy for some of these key project interactions? Um, yeah, so let's focus on meetings specifically where a bunch of people or one or two people are coming together. Um, normally meetings are made because a decision can't be made independently without someone else in the room or mm -hmm. it's too complicated to sort out via email where you can just write up like this is the approval I need and I just need you to say yes. Like usually meetings are meant to work out things or to present concepts to people in my case, that need to approve things that they may also not be following my project that closely, but they are still the inevitable approver. So you have a bunch of people kind of meeting together, usually to make some kind of informed decision. Mm -hmm. So that's why like in those situations where most times a meeting is to usually come out with a very specific outcome or a very specific direction, there actually needs to be a meeting strategy behind it. Because if your goal is to get person A to agree with plan C, and you're not prepared to maybe do something with plan A and plan B to make it less appealing, or being able to answer what A and B is and why it's not good, if you're not prepared for that, then you're not actually going to get the outcome that you want. And so I think always... At at the very minimum, going into a meeting with a very, very firm idea of the outcome that you want, not necessarily like how you get there, but inevitably what is our goal? It could be as simple as we need to just have a decision, not necessarily A, B, or C, but like a definitive decision at the end of this call. And holding that intention helps you kind of corral the meeting in and of itself. Like I've seen meetings derail because someone was married to option A when really the broad thing in the meeting was we were stuck and we needed just a decision, whether it was A, B, or C. And right. instead right. we honed in on A and we still didn't have a decision because one person wanted A as the best option. So mm -hmm. knowing what you need out of the meeting and making sure you 
prepare um, that way is one thing about meetings. Um, the other thing too is knowing the people in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, that's where you get into a specific meeting strategy. Like who's in the room? Are they corporate vice presidents? Are they end users? What do they care about? Like that's where some of the psychology comes into play. Like even if you don't know this person, there has to be a reason this person is invited into this call. (laughs) And so knowing that is helpful. Like knowing if it's everyone same level as you and you can kind of shoot the shit. That's knowing great. Or Mm -hmm. knowing if someone accidentally or on purpose stuck their boss in it that changes your entire (laughs) meeting strategy now because they're like, hey, I want you to come in here and look at this with me. And we're all like, no, why why do people give other people forwarding privileges? I don't understand. (laughs) So um, knowing who's in the room also helps. And Again, sometimes you can't know in depth um, what how this person will react, but at least knowing why they're in the meeting, if they're a decision maker, um, just understanding mm. that at least helps. I really like that lens that like probably the meeting is happening because it needs a decision or something to move it forwards in some way, some way to get sort of out of ambiguity. Um, and like you said, like, it's not necessarily that, you know, you need a strategy to make sure that the influencer decides on option B, even though they're married to option A. What you need is the right information um, to A, land with the people in the room so that they understand it, and B, like, have something that moves you forward. And even if that's not, you know, the approach that the creative team wanted uh, that stakeholder to choose... It at least gets it moving forward. But if it doesn't land, if it's not communicated in the right way, if there's people in the room that you don't understand and you don't understand their motivations, it might just be a nothing meeting. And then you might have to have another meeting and you have this like stasis in your project where it just kind of stagnates unless you are approaching it like in a deliberate way and are like considering the audience um, in a very strategic way, not to sort of cram an option down their throat, mm-hmm. but to just make sure that you are delivering it in a way that they will be able to sort of unpack and understand. And even if they don't love the decision at the end, or even if your team doesn't love the decision at the end, at least it kind of moves forward. Mm-hmm. I like that lens. Um, I, you, we've been talking a lot about preparation and I wondered if maybe you could sort of talk to us a bit about how you prepare for a meeting. Um, and especially like a meeting that's going to involve a group of like influential stakeholders. Like you mentioned, you know, maybe you find out that somebody's boss is coming. Um, but what does that sort of preparation look like for you? Okay. The lens of someone's boss coming because that's very, very different than my <laughs> other meetings. Um, um, <clears throat> well, so. Again, it's really understanding the purpose of that meeting. So normally, like when I'm in a meeting with like a client's boss or um, or just a, a big stakeholder, they're usually checking our progress or, you know, just mm-hmm. wanting to understand or like there is a very specific thing that we've all as a team and my client have decided, OK, this is actually a bigger decision than everyone in the room can make. We have to escalate it up. So those are kind of the situations mm-hmm. where I would be involved with someone that I would consider a high stake holder. And in those situations specifically, people that are in a position of like a corporate vice president or someone who is an executive do not know your project details at all. Even if you told it to mm-hmm. them two weeks ago, they're not going to keep that information in their head ever. <laughs> and right. so uh, when you're preparing for it, especially if it's to solve a problem versus like the other example I gave where it's just an update of how we're doing, if it's mm-hmm. to get them to buy into something when they've been mm-hmm. removed from the project for the last six months, it's really important that as a team, we're able to frame the information in a way where this person can make a rapid decision. And so a lot of the times when I'm preparing for this type of meeting, um, I will be actually creating either a deck or a PowerPoint or, or some kind of consumable that is very easy to walk through. This is where we're at right now. This is the problem we're trying to solve. Here's the relevant information related to it from that executive's lens of like what they care about. 
And here are our options. Like I never go into this with like, this is the problem and then end it there. I'm like, that's, I'm going to, I'm going to get fired. Uh, <laughs> I will be like, here are informed options of this. And this is our recommendation, but these are the things we're not clear of in terms of impact. And this is why we want your opinion on it. And so I really frame it in a sense of like, this is what this person normally would care about. Here's all the relevant background of like why we feel it's not something we need to decide because it has broader impact or higher impact that we don't have good info on. And then we'll do that. And so I do that kind of rapid contact setting in the meeting itself mm -hmm. when it starts and we can get more into that later. But before that, I will be prepping with whoever else is involved in this meeting to basically present this problem. And what normally happens with these meetings when I do this, specifically the problem one, is we have this presentation, we do some rapid context setting, and ideally mm -hmm. what happens is either this person makes a decision immediately because all the information is there, or they start poking at it like, we can't make this decision because we don't have this information. We need this information, which is good information to us because I'm like, I didn't know I needed that lens. This is all that I did have. And so our executive is like, you need these other pieces and then I can make a decision. And either way we have movement. And so mm -hmm. that's normally how I prepare for someone who will basically come in not decide on, like, need to be able to decide and then come out. Um, I'm fortunate in a way to have some executives who operate that way. I know some are a lot more scatterbrained, mm -hmm. to put nicely. <laughs> and so in, in those situations, I still wouldn't quite change my approach, but in those situations, I'd be prepared for, like, trying to bring them back of, like, this is specifically the framework we're looking at. We're not looking at XYZ. I'm happy to look at XYZ later, but I need to focus on this first and just understand from your perspective what your thoughts are. I really like, like, and the thing that jumps out at me is that, you know, some of us as PMs and some of us have been there where you're like, okay, I need to set the context. I'm not going to assume that they know the context. So that's like sort of tip one. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm not going to use the deck that I used to like brief the team because it doesn't have the perspective <laughs> of an executive. You know, they don't want to like uh, <laughs> talk to someone <laughs> the other day and they're like, you can show your executive a Gantt chart. They'll be like, that's nice. Yeah. But, you know, where's the money or like whatever it is that they care about. Right. Where it's actually, you know, you need to look at it from 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 the lens of what's actually important to them and the context that's actually going to create this path for them to sort of get to an informed decision or at least understand that more information is needed to make that decision and and then the other thing is you know tip three is like the the, the soft skills to say okay maybe you're a little scatterbrained uh, and i'm going to just help you focus on this one thing we'll talk about those other things that you you know you want to talk about later on but this is about you know uh sort of getting to the end of this of this short path here um and i really like that and then I guess, I mean, tell me if I'm over-indexing on the psychology bit, but, you know, are you, like, yes, like, executives care about X and Y, but are you kind of digging a layer deeper, like, uh, kind of researching the individual a little bit? I don't mean, like, creepy stalkerish stuff, but just kind of trying to figure out, you know, maybe they wrote a blog post, you know, last week about this topic. Are you kind of digging into that level of who is my stakeholder here? Um, it depends if I have that information available. Like um, if I'm going in blind to someone I don't know, yes. If they have a LinkedIn profile or if they have like some kind of written or if someone else who knows them that's on my team, like let's say my designer actually has a more interaction points, I might ask for their opinion and just get a, a sense of like their communication style. The thing that I would want to find is just how they're consuming information or how they're thinking about information. Because if it's someone who loves in-depth analytical reports, the uh, abbreviated version might actually not work at all. Mm -hmm. um, if it's someone who cares about like, for example, the environment or like that's the lens of how they want to look at everything, but they haven't spoken that, but it's in their blog post, then it's a lens that I mm -hmm. might consider 
if there's something mm-hmm. about my proposal or my work that can tie back into it. So there's a, a little bit of it. You, you can't get too much into it because sometimes the information is not available. But like when it's Fair. someone you do know, like in, in, uh, previously, like having a, a client who is very familiar with their boss. And so my client can actually mm-hmm. tell me how their boss behaves. I'm like, okay, so mm-hmm. this person mm-hmm. really cares about this. Um, or this person really, really likes charts. I don't like charts, mm-hmm. but if that's how they think, okay, <laughs> I'll figure that one out. <laughs> I'll make a chart. <laughs> you know, just what no. the, it's, um, I'm not too familiar. I, I've read about it or heard about it before. There's a, a couple of ways that you can do uh, like um, those psychology studies or you fill out a form that says your communication style or how you consume information. Mm-hmm. It's kind of looking at it from, from that lens of like, it's not, um, and again, going back to politics, this is not like me sucking up to the boss. This is like me realizing mm-hmm. the boss speaks in French and I speak in German. And right. I'm not going to speak German to the French boss. I'm going to <laughs> translate it into French. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's really what's going on. I like that the sort of translation process. I think that's exactly the right way to look at it. And it, sometimes it does feel um, icky. I don't know. Like, it like, feels like you know, extra You're talking work. about this person in this way, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and extra work. Um, but like, man, I know it saved my bacon a number of times everywhere I've worked where we just have like this brief conversation like, oh, I'm going into a meeting, like exactly your point, uh, with the sort of creative director uh, at our at our client's design team uh, and our design team goes oh here's what you need to know okay like here's how he or she thinks mm-hmm. uh, and here's some of the like landmines we've stepped on before um, and it's not icky it's just like this communication style that we tried last time didn't work mm-hmm. uh, and this did so you know let's 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 go in with that information so that we can move the ball forward I really like yeah. that and part of it's also efficiency too like if you the higher up you mm-hmm. go the less time they have and if you're mm-hmm. really wanting to unblock a project from someone that high up, you need to be very, very efficient because you don't, I've seen cycles where we weren't efficient and then it just turns into giant blown up mm-hmm. email chains until the next meeting. And it's like, this yes. is not <laughs> anyone's time. Uh, and I actually, I've like, I've been there. We've been <laughs> in a project and we, you know, we spent 55 minutes of an hour long meeting setting the context for a C-level. Actually, he was a CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> like, it went well because he was a very like, you know, friendly, decisive uh, CEO. Uh, but afterwards, our point of contact was like, okay, just tip for next time. Like, like every minute of time with our CEO is like, treat it like gold, please. So, <laughs> so, so like, front, okay, load. Yes. <laughs> front load. Front load yeah, as exactly. much as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and which actually like reminds me of something that you touched on earlier. Um, you said when I'm preparing with my client sometimes, and I think that might be something new for some of our listeners, which is that, you know, we talk a lot about having a strategy, you know, maybe you work in an agency or maybe you work in an in-house digital team and you're trying to sort of come up with a strategy on your own, maybe in a black box. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds to me like in a lot of cases, you're actually preparing with your client, whether that's like the PM on the client side or, you know, somebody who is um, a stakeholder uh, or is involved in sort of rallying and coordinating the other group of stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Um, but in other words, you're actually preparing with that person. Is that, is that the case? Um, I've been on both ends. Um, I, I prefer the, what you just described because it's, it's much easier. It's more dynamic. It's a lot more responsibility, honestly, to, to be trusted to do that. But um, I've been on both ends where it's been a black box and it's more instead of the client, it's, you know, the team, your internal team, or maybe the salesperson who last talked to the client, so they've had more points of contact with them, um, that kind of thing. But yes, in in some of the examples I'm I'm giving, it's more either preparing with a client or preparing with an internal team that is going up to their internal team boss. So like this mm-hmm. would apply to people like project managers within their own like company and as a team trying to go talk to their boss mm-hmm. about those type of things. Cause I've, I've also, um, yeah. So, um, again, not always having that lens, there's a benefit to it. Um, but I think it definitely like when you're in like a, an in-house PM team, 
for like a, a private company or, or whatnot, um, these type of dynamics definitely apply because you're, you're doing project management for your company and not like a, an agency model. And you, I think in those situations, the office politics are more ingrained and steeped in than, than ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And arguably more information is available mm-hmm. as well. Cause like with an agency lens, um, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, to my client PM, I might say, okay, well, I've never met your boss, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, you know, what are they like? And that might be the conversation. Um, whereas I think for in-house teams, like, by reputation, some of these, you know, some of members of the senior leadership team and the C-suite, like, someone will know about people something. have interacted with them enough. <laughs> yeah, there's more information available. And actually, you know, it, I, it sounds like, I mean, I'd be like, okay, well, you know, it's worth it for me to take the mm-hmm. time to sort of seek this information out and get, you know, some other perspectives on the right way to approach how to get, you know, this meeting to be a success. Mm-hmm whether that's the decision I want or yeah. not. Um, and even if um, going back to, you know, being prepared, but maybe not having this information, if you're in an agency and going into a client meeting or client stakeholder meeting kind of blind in terms of who this person is, mm-hmm. um, rapidly setting the context is really where you can, it, this can help. So like maybe you don't know how this person will react, but being prepared with like with the purpose of the meeting, having an agenda, sending it ahead of time just in case you send it and they're like oh i'm not the person making the decision for this you need someone else because that's happened right um but going into that meeting and saying this is what we're talking about this is what we need to solve up front helps whoever is in there even if you don't know them understand okay i can make this decision i can't i don't think mm-hmm. i have the right information like basically in this situation you're laying out all of your cards front and center very very early but then everyone can orient to like, oh, this meeting is about this. Well, I need to be in here. That person needs to not be in here. You don't have enough information. At least you know all of that mm-hmm. within the first five to 10 minutes, mm-hmm. even if you don't know the stakeholder. And I think that's like a, it's a huge point because like the thing that's stewing in my head that might be stewing in like our listeners head is like, wow, I can't spend that much time like preparing for a meeting. Um, you know, even if it's really important, maybe they've just got a lot on the go and they don't, you know, they're like, where am I going to build those hours to, yeah. for example, or what about this other project that I need to pay attention to? Um, but what I like is that, you know, what you're describing is sort of these layers, right? Where it's like, you know, at bare minimum, have an agenda, Send it off. bounce it off the person who's going to be yeah, like, so that somebody can be like, yeah, yeah, and share it with enough time for people to react to it uh, so that they can say, oh, no, that like, then don't invite this person or uh, this is not the right person. And then you can avoid having like just, you know, what I would see as a bit of a catastrophic mm-hmm. meeting. OK, we've got an hour today. What are we talking about? Oh, this. Oh, we're not the right people. Yep. I mean, while everyone's blocked out an hour of their calendar, you know, maybe they've known for weeks and have been sort of shuffling things around to make it happen and nothing will happen. (laughs) So I think that's like layer one. Uh, Layer two, I think, is like having at least a chat with your team to like figure out like the strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like layer three is that sort of collaborative approach where, you know, maybe it is your working method to sit down with your point of contact and go, okay, for this meeting coming up, let's get a strategy together. Um, and taking the time to like build that trust so that you can have conversations like that so that you can build a strategy together. Because fundamentally, some of our listeners might not agree, but fundamentally, uh, the way it should work is that, okay, I'm a PM on my side and, you know, either you're a PM on your side or you're a point of contact that is, you know, uh, motivated uh, or incented to have this project succeed and go well. Hopefully, so yes. why would we fight? Let's like make it go well. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of our listeners would be like, my clients aren't <laughs> like that. They're like, you know, they're my adversaries. You know, they're trying to poke holes all the time. And so maybe it won't work for every project. But I think what's like, what's insightful here is that if you can invest the time to like build this relationship with your point of contact, then you can have some of these things go a lot smoother than you know, than if you didn't have that trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you mentioned like, it is your preference. You won't always have a chance to like build up that relationship, but when you can, um, I feel like it's, it's sort of, you know, uh, added to your success or like maximize the probability of success for some of these. Yeah. And I think to add to that point, two things came to mind. Um, and maybe this will be another podcast we'll talk about, but like the idea of being brief and efficient, I mean, like, 
I think everyone can still appreciate, mm-hmm. even if they don't align with people, to not waste each other's time. And so, I feel like there's ways you mm-hmm. can um, get people to agree or collaborate if it's with the intent of like this is going to save us time or this is going to make this go a little bit more smoother. And you know, adding to your other comment about layers, like and PMs traditionally not having time, it's like it, it depends on the severity. Like if you're trying to just meet with someone who's about the same level as you or just sort things out, maybe you it's okay, you're, you can be less prepared because there's less stakes involved. But the moment someone says they're going to be in front of like an exec, I think you need to stop. <laughs> Like, even if there's like, we're going to do this, like whoever is driving is like, we're just going to go in blind. I'm like, no, stop. Just just stop. (laughs) Back them off the ledge just a little bit and say, let's, can you give me more information about this? Because this might be a problem. Like I I would highly encourage you, even though it's very uncomfortable to tell whoever this person is to stop and that we need to prepare because that's not going to fly. And I like that approach. Like it's, yeah. it's a risk. Um, and I mean, equally, I suppose, like if you had a stakeholder that was just like, maybe mm-hmm. not an executive, but just really vocal and really yeah. influential within that organization, it's a risk. like equally true to say, okay, hold on. That's a risk because if that person leaves that meeting with the wrong idea and starts trumpeting mm-hmm. about, you know, something that maybe isn't even the case, um, that could, you know, that could be a huge, um, I could sort of torpedo your project um, and looking at it that way as like needing to have a strategy mm-hmm. to make sure that the project yep. is, you know, Proper stays on track. meeting management is actually risk management. I like that. I really like that. That's very cool. And actually, so that, that actually touches on something that <laughs> you and I have talked about before that I found really interesting, which is that like sometimes the strategy might be having the right people deliver mm-hmm. the right message. And the thing that we were talking about is kind of like roles and responsibilities <laughs> for the meeting. And I thought that was fascinating and like brilliant in a way. Um, and sometimes we do it when we're preparing mm-hmm. for pitches for some reason, but then we don't yeah, do I've it seen for, like, the pitches, not anywhere for some else. reason. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was a really good one. Right? Yeah. Uh, talk to me about uh, sort of roles and responsibilities and how you sort of define those and communicate that to people who will be attending the meeting. Yeah, I think... Um... It's good with your team, like even let's just say the smallest uh, group is the agency that's dealing with an outside client. Like it's good within your team to at least understand the reason why your team specifically is in there and what roles they play. So normally, like, for example, you'd have a project manager, a lead in my case of development, maybe a designer, maybe um, someone also looking at um, ads and revenue. Let's just say that's the makeup. And... um, in those situations, like, technically, I could lead all of those conversations if I knew enough of each subject matter, but there's also an optics point of view on this of, like, if your lead designer is in there, mm-hmm. your lead designer should be, you know, racking up some points of authority with why they're there. And also, similarly, like, mm-hmm. I think it... It really is more of an optics lens of like you're trying to reassure your clients that you have the right team in there, which means you need some opportunities for this team to speak, even though in this case, it might be more efficient if you were the only one in the room talking about everything. But that's not necessarily what your client usually pays your agency for. It's for expertise. Mm -hmm. And similarly, you don't Mm -hmm. as a project manager even a real, the most versatile project manager does not want to be the final crutch on any, on authority, especially subject matter expert authority. Like a mm-hmm. project manager sh- could proxy because mm-hmm. they should know the, the project well enough to on the fly answer something, but it should be from like your subject matter experts point of view. And so that we've done things before, for example, where I will say, I will know what the answer is, but I'll say, I think, um, I need to check back on that. I think this is what we're doing based off of, you know, Mm -hmm. some of the things, but let me go talk to my designer about it. We'll confer on it. She'll know what Mm -hmm. I want to do and she'll be write a response back of like, yes, this is this because of X, Y, Z. And my client will be Mm -hmm. like, okay, (laughs) but it shows some, I think due diligence in research. 
I think, and I like that. Um, I like the notion of like what you said. Like you did know the answer, uh, but also you want it to like the value is actually the team. Um, and I think like I've been guilty of that before as well, of just kind of being the face of the project to my clients or to my point of contact, uh, and them not appreciating the value that the team is bringing because. Maybe they've never seen them, you know, and I think a lot of our listeners can relate. They're like, okay, I work at an agency. We're really focused on billable hours. Um, and, you know, if I bring someone to a meeting, I'm going to get grilled about it later because they're going to be like, oh, why did you take so-and-so off of, you know, uh, like she could have been working on this other project and instead she wasted an hour in this meeting and just being able to sort of justify that and defend that, um, especially from the like perspective of, yeah, well, yes, they delivered value. They weren't just sitting there on their hands. We had a strategy. We talked about it. Um, and we won't really want that voice to be present in the conversation for our client so that expertise comes through. Um, and I like that's a sound use of time for me. Um, as long as that person does mm-hmm. have a role. And then is it like, is it as simple as that in a lot of cases where you're like, okay, we're about to go into this meeting. Um, design questions go to our creative director. Technical questions go to our technical architect. Or is there sometimes more than that? Um, it depends on the meeting. And we could talk all, all day about that. But um, <laughs> what I usually like doing that works best is um, I, as the project manager, will t- usually take the role of facilitator. So um, instead of just letting awkward silences sit, because I could have like two engineers on the call, for example, and neither one of them knowing which one is supposed to answer, I will actually, Mm -hmm. as I hear things and understand things and clarify things, I will call out people to answer. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to kind of help drive the conversation. And my role in that usually is of clarification, like that someone says something back to me, it didn't sound that clear. My engineer is back challenging me being like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll clarify it. Um, but then like when they're having the discussion at the end of it, also re-clarifying back and then moving on to the next subject. So it really is a, a me moving things while mm-hmm. we have different subject matter expert discussions and just making sure that um, the right things are the right information is is actually flowing back and forth, mm-hmm. and depending on the why I kind of caveat it depends on the meeting. Some meetings tend to be really high stakes, mm-hmm. like it might be like the lead designer of the entire company or mm-hmm. or or whatnot, or someone who's highly opinionated. So in those situations, if I have that information. Um, I will usually prep the equivalent on my side mm-hmm. of like, this person has this specific axe to grind. Right. <laughs> Please don't say this. <laughs> I like this. Or if like, I know yeah. like one of, if I know my side is opinionated, I'm like, okay, just <laughs> down a little bit. <laughs> yes, definitely. This is, this is more. Yeah, knowing your actual team, your your internal team as well, and and Mm -hmm. how they tend to respond to things and like, um, you know, knowing when your team actually responds to stress. So like one of the reason why I prepare them sometimes is because I don't want them reacting in such a way that Mm -hmm. says, I was not prepared for this question. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do my automatic default reaction, which may not be the best thing. And so at least letting them know, hey, this person might be prickly at you. Mm (laughs) <laughs> and you know it's and it's about like wanting everyone to succeed and 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 look their best mm-hmm. um and not just your team but also you know your clients and and even the you know mm-hmm. uh influencers or the executives that are in the room as well because nobody wants to look bad that's gonna sort of you know make things a bit rocky yeah. uh, and everyone wants that meeting to be a success like nobody wants it to to be a terrible meeting <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's why, like, I prep our team on our side because, like, we we are an agency. I've worked in a lot of agency models. Um, we want to make our clients look good. We don't want to, you know, poke a hole in them that makes them defensive either. And so, when we're suggesting things, we try to, like, I, I try as much as I can to prepare them for if something is going to backlash. Mm-hmm. Yep. If I have that information, it, it doesn't always happen, but at least, you know, we are in a service agency or, you know, a, a service model and we're here to provide solutions, not really bring more conflict. Mm-hmm. And so if we know something's going to be a little sticky. Um, I at least try to prepare our sides so that no one's doing a 
gut reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, that context setting as well. Like I remember going into a meeting and our client had just spent like half the year deciding on a CMS and had finally gotten approval to like invest in Sitecore. And my TA, my technical architect was going to come and be like, why didn't you choose Drupal? You could have done this on Drupal. I was like, probably, I think we're beyond that point. So maybe just don't say that to them. Um, this is the CMS they're going with and let's just kind of move on from there. Uh, and you know, that was just, and, and they were cool with that, but it was just their, it was just their personality and their, their sort of, you know, knee jerk reaction to that was, you know, was to yeah. sort of challenge, um, and make sure that they put enough thought into it. But I knew my client was going to be like, uh, excuse me, we just spent like half the year deciding on this and allocating budget and it took 25 people to do this. Uh, and, and no. <laughs> <laughs> so again, just like wanting everyone to look good and wanting everyone to to succeed so that people, and I think the thing that you opened with, which is that people often come into a meeting, you know, it's stressful, even just an assembly of people and talking in front of people that you might not know very well. Um, and just to be able to kind of defuse that and set a, like create a, a context in a situation that people feel a little bit more relaxed in um, and knowing that, you know, knowing the things that are going to set people off and trying to just level those peaks. And I think when it comes down to dynamics and I'm an audio person. So when mm -hmm. I'm like dynamics, I think yeah. of a compressor, right. And you have this like a really loud mm -hmm. sound that you need to kind of like, just flatten a little bit so that it doesn't, it's not so spiky. Um, and that's kind of yeah. like, I'm like, okay, yeah, team dynamics, meeting dynamics, just making sure that it's not a bumpy road so that you can, you know, move your project forward. And I think you, you actually hit on a good point about like people being nervous or, or stressed in meetings and whatnot. And I think this is why, like, I always set with this is the problem we're solving. You might not realize this, but I have horrible stage fright. <laughs> I did not realize this. <laughs> And I, I hate people actually paying attention to me. Absolutely. Like, I will go, like, I used to sing when I was, like, a five-year-old on stage. And, like, I would be in the background, like, horribly sick before I went on stage. Oh. But, um, uh, but for having the meaning focus on the problem mm -hmm. diffuses any individual focus on a, mm -hmm. a, a person the people coming in and even with me who's leading, like I I'm trying to solve something versus like people are looking directly at me all the time. Right. And I think that helps people be like, okay, we're no one, they want my opinion on this problem, not necessarily focusing on that. I stutter all the time or that I don't want my camera on ever or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I mean, and that's like this. That's like a whole other topic as well. Um, so, P.S. We're making this a series, by the way. Um, but I, I really like that notion. I, a, I like this idea that you know you have stage fright and then decided to become a project manager who is like a leader of a project and is generally speaking facilitating these meetings. But I like that tactic of like, you know, like making it about the problem more than about, you know, your personality. Uh, I think that's, that's really the good. only way this works for me, by the way. <laughs> Uh, really, and like, like, not even just that, like, you were hosting like, uh, an all hands event, uh, or an organization wide event. So I'm just, I'm going through this, like, uh, our conversations in my head going like, wow, I did not know that about her. And she still does. Oh, these that things. one was worse too. Cause, <laughs> cause that one was a recorded, like, I talk for five minutes and I get no feedback because, you know, we're not live. And right. I was like, yeah, this is, this sucks so badly. <laughs> That is the worst, right? Like not having an audience, but that sort of like uh, studio audience um, is actually is actually a really helpful thing. Yeah, no, I still have stage fright, so it hasn't gone away. That is episode three <laughs> uh, for episode two. So I have this whole pile of questions that I think are going to be so useful about in the room tactics, like what to do, like being fast on your feet and managing things as they come and as they happen in a meeting. But we're going to make that episode two uh, and let's uh yeah we'll do a separate session but i think like just there's so much value here just in terms of like meeting strategy and that preparation and i think one thing that really resonated with me is this notion of like layers that we've kind of come across right because i think a lot of folks are going to be like oh i would love to be best friends with my point of contact but i haven't got the time i've got you know 40 other projects mm -hmm. on the go i've got 15 other projects on the go and i can't invest the time but there is this sort of bare minimum that you need to do to prepare and even if that's just an agenda and that agenda might not even be that formal Maybe it's just like an email. It's like, here's who I think we should invite. Here's the goal of the meeting. I think it should be this long and we want the outcome to be this. At least something for people to react to and say, 
oh, well, then we don't need this person, or that decision needs another person. Yeah, I might even, if you're suspicious as a project manager, I might even call out, like, please make sure the right people mm-hmm. are in this invite. I like that. I like that as a <laughs> tactic. Yeah, they might not be the person who would think of that either. Um, mm-hmm. And just giving them that prompt to make sure things well, go. Well, I've well. had people join... Um, I've had people join meetings just because they were on the invite and then go in. There's like, oh, I didn't know why I was here. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> that upfront contract is very important. It was like, it was on my calendar. <laughs> and honestly, like, I'm sometimes that guy. I'm like, right. okay. Actually, I've, I, I can think of a couple meetings in, in recent history where I've just kind of shown up and I'm like, I dialed in and I'm like ready to rock. And I'm like, wait a minute. What is this about? I'm, am I now on the like environmental committee? What's happening? <laughs> like, uh, so I live and die by my calendar sometimes. But yes, all of these great strategies to make sure that A, that doesn't happen, that we're being respectful of everyone's time, that we're being efficient, and that we're moving the ball forward. So I think that's really important. We'll uh we'll swing back to the uh the the in in the room strategies, tactics, tips and techniques. But just to maybe round this conversation out, what advice would you give to folks who want to improve their soft skills when it comes to things like people management, meeting management, and just strategic uh, strategic communications overall? Yeah, so we, we could talk for days about soft skills in general. Um, I think at the core of this, or at least what's what's helped with me, is just understanding that in most situations and in most interactions with people, uh, aside from just some very bad apples that I've encountered in the past, um, most people don't, most people aren't actually out there to get you, even if they might say something that is miscommunicated or offensive or whatnot. Most people aren't really doing it with a malicious, I want you to get fired or or something like that kind of intense. Again, there are some people like that and I would never ever go near them ever. Um, But in most situations, it's, that's not, that's not the intention of people, especially in collaborative teams that are trying to get a project together. And so when you're thinking about trying to up your game in people relationship, people management or team strategic management, it's really trying to see more than what your initial reaction is to someone's response. Like the example I gave earlier of someone kind of stressed because of COVID, everyone kind of understands that, but maybe it's something even more obscure. Like it it could be something private going on, or it could be this person just doesn't communicate a certain way. Like I have a lot of people who are visual communicators need pictures and as someone who writes like thousands of words this concept to me is very foreign that i need to provide pictures but it's not like it's not that they're trying to make my life harder or i'm trying to make their life harder it's just this is how they communicate best and i think under having an actual curiosity of like how other people outside of yourself work process information, like receiving information, just understanding and appreciating that everyone's different and that they may just have a a certain way that's not like yours, um, that helps them be more efficient and happy in helping. Like having that lens can help a lot with soft skill management. I think it's just by just that act alone, you're getting more information about someone you work with that you might've had a narrow view of like, oh, I write all of these tickets and I put all of this text down and they give me one word responses back. I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> um, but realizing that's not actually how they process information and that your giant wall of text is actually mm-hmm. overwhelming them, uh, <laughs> that might suddenly help your communication with this person. I like that. I love that. Just that, that awareness alone is like that first step, that awareness of who you are communicating with mm-hmm. and how they communicate is that first step to sort of mastering this dark art of soft skills. <laughs> awesome. It's not a dark art. We're, we're going we're gonna to desensitize <laughs> the that. Light it's not art? a dark art. <laughs> Probably like mysterious art Mysterious right art. Now. I like that. The mysterious soft skills, uh, mysterious art of soft skills. Uh, we are, Laura, I would love to have you back. I'd love to talk about sort of in-room tactics. I'd love to talk about just the, the, the overall, uh, like psychology behind, you know, being the face of a project and being a project leader and what that means. Uh, we're going to make this a series, but, uh, let's cap it there for now. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to have you on the show. I always enjoy our chats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I love doing this. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. 
So what do you guys think? Is having a strategy for meetings and important communications an obvious thing to do? Or is it overkill? Tell us a story. What meetings have you had that have just totally gone off the rails? Why? And what was your greatest meeting? What made it go super well? Tell us in the comments below. And if you want to learn more and get ahead in your work, come join our tribe with DPM membership. Head over to thedigitalprojectmanager.com slash membership to access our experts forum, our mastermind mentorship groups, our library of mini courses, our live mentorship sessions, our Ask Me Anything sessions with a variety of experts, our eBooks, templates, and more. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and stay in touch at thedigitalprojectmanager.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.